Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And today, we're going to be talking some shit about Brentford. Um, here to join me is Sam. Uh, no Andres this week. Uh, it is actually his fiance's birthday, so a very happy birthday to Hannah. Happy birthday, um, Hannah. But yeah, uh, obviously, Andres had to do his uh, fiance duties. So it's just me and Sam today, the OG crew. Mm-hmm. Sam. How's it, how's it going, man? Dude, it's been a long international break. A whole two weeks without Chelsea football. But, uh, you know, back to uh, where we left off. And, uh, wait, hold on. Let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. Let's. <laughs> top of the table. 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 Hold on. Let's get the shit. Let's get the shit. Let's get the shit. Oh. Even if it wasn't a convincing win, three points is three points. Right, Zach? Three points is always three points. Just like a trophy's a trophy. Yeah. Um, I think it's hypocritical to think anything less. Regardless is... of the performance, we still got the win. Yeah, I mean, we would have no podcast if we... If we just said, oh, we won three points, that's it. There's a lot more to it than just uh, just the three points. Um, but let's start off by going through uh, the starting lineup. So, really, really bold selection from Thomas Tuchel. He opted to go for the 3-5-2, Mendy and goal. A, back, a really young back three of Chaloba, Christensen, and Malong Sar. Uh, Premier League debut from Malong Sar. Uh, then Dave and Chilwell as the wingbacks, Conte, RLC, and Kova as the midfield three, and a front two of Lukaku and Werner. A lot to talk about with that selection, but I want to start off with the defense because it was a very, very, I don't want to say strange, but it was a surprising selection. Um, and really for 60 minutes, our defense looked comfortable. It looked organized. Even you said yourself, Zach, Malong Sar has not put a wrong foot this whole match. Um, and, until uh, he did. Until he did time, <laughs> a couple times. Um, yeah. But major props to Christensen uh, for flexing a bit of leadership in a very young back line. You know, he, he manned the that center, center back how do you how do we call it center center back the middle of the back three yeah the middle of the back three i like ccb um and of course ben chilwell you know everyone knows i'm a fullback guy ben chilwell saving our season with <laughs> with the goal but it's crazy that two of our mo- our most prolific attacking threats are our left wing backs and marcus alonso and ben chilwell um but Chilwell, I, I, well, I know I'm talking a lot, Zach. I'll, I'll eventually let you speak, but I'm, I'm trying to see how, how it feels to be the one rambling uh, as opposed <laughs> to you. But No, you're good. Uh, ben Chilwell, I, what I really like is, I mean, in that goal, how he, he really um, he moved like kind of like a false nine, and he moved really centrally, and he did that multiple times during the match. Um two goals in his last two matches for Chelsea, three in his last three for club and country. Uh, he did score against Andorra. Um, 
but yeah, I mean that goal, he tracked his man well down the left-hand side and he was able to get the winner right before the half. So Zach, what do you what are your takeaways from Ben Chilwell's performance? Is he back? I think so. Um look, it's not a surprise to anyone that he came back and and, and started performing well. We knew it would just be a matter of time. Um I think his performances are really, you know, starting to show the quality that we were missing defensively down the left-hand side. He was playing with an unfamiliar partner behind him in Malang Sar. Um, so he obviously had to manage that, but, um, you know, he had to track his man running up and down. Um, you know, they obviously play with the wing back as well. And for, you know, him to have the ability to get up and down the pitch and also pitch in with that goal at the end is huge. What is that? Two winners and two matches for him now. Yeah. Um, you know, as of right now, yeah, I, I think he should be the starting wing back. It's it, it's great to have him back in the fold. Now, this was kind of a tease in a way because we only got you know one half of our starting wing back combination on the pitch. We still have yet to see Chilwell and Reese James play together. So I think once both of them get into the team, I mean, we are going to be creating a lot more chances. But I think we're going to look a little bit more cohesive as a unit altogether. Um, but no, I mean, nonetheless, it's it, 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 it's just good to have him back, and it's good to have options. Now we don't have to run Marcus Alonso to the ground and play him seven matches in a row anymore. Um, now there's legitimate competition at the wing-back spot, and that's only beneficial to the team in the long run. And that, that's kind of what we expected to happen, especially with Marcus Alonso's you know, incredible form in the beginning of the season. Um, I mean, you in particular thought that it was only a matter of time until Ben Chilwell came back into form and he reclaimed that left wing back spot as his own. But um, and I remember you last week also, or last episode, we were talking about Ben Chilwell and Marcus Alonso and like, you know, when, when you would want to see Marcus Alonso out there as opposed to Ben Chilwell and it's, it's against Spurs and lower half teams maybe, you know? So uh, or maybe I think like were, bottom five, you know? I think there's a little um, there's a little of two things in selecting him for this match. One is that he's in form. I mean, we did mention that he scored for Chelsea before the international break and then scored for England. So he's in form. That's one reason to start the guy. Um, another reason to start him is because we do have Malmo at midweek. And I think Tuchel might have prioritized the Brentford match over the Malmo match in terms of playing the in-form guy. So, you know, having Marcus Alonso out there against Malmo is going to be awesome for us. It's going to be like having an extra striker in the box the whole entire time. So um, I can see the logic in, in in that selection. But I do expect for the future for, for Chilwell to get the bigger matches. All right, now moving on to Malong Sar. Uh, I'm going to run through his stats real quick. 86% pass accuracy, 66 total passes. 10 clearances, 5 duels won, including 2 aerial duels, 10 recoveries. Um, we got a question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asked, what's your take on SAR's performance today? I, I gave a little bit of a preview on uh, what Zach thought, <laughs> but uh, you want to go a little bit more in-depth into what you, what you saw from him? I think he looked really solid the first 60 minutes, just like our whole side did. Um, he looked comfortable back there in possession. He's okay. Not great. I think it's a little bit more of a confidence and, and playing time sort of thing. We talk about mental fitness before on the pod. And I think there's a little bit of that um, with Malong Sar in terms of getting up to the speed of the match and getting up to the speed of the prem. Um, 
But overall, um, like Sam said, I did send a text into group chat saying, you know, he hasn't put a foot wrong so far. He's actually been really solid. Um, and I still stand by that. I think he was really solid throughout the match. But of course, you know, he did fluff at a couple air balls. Um, I think technically, I don't know if we can necessarily judge him yet. Because like I said, I think the pace of the match and the intensity of the match maybe got to him a little bit. Um, but overall, he looks like a like a decent squad player. Do I think he's Chelsea quality? Probably not. I don't think we've seen enough of him. Um, I don't expect him to be either. But, I mean, what else could you do? You could really only play whoever's in front of you. And I think it speaks more to Tommy Tuchel's trust in the player more than anything, the fact that he's getting a start in a match like this. Um, I know Rudiger was a was was slightly injured. Um, he could have possibly played Cho on the wing and then you know slid Aspie in the back three and then that would have solved the problem too. But um, no, he went with Malong Sar and the guy the guy stepped up. You know we did keep the clean sheet, so his mistakes didn't didn't necessarily cost us. Hopefully they don't happen again. But it's good to have options. Again, I don't expect this guy to come out and and play every week or necessarily have his name in the hat for contention every week. Um, this is going to be a guy that's going to come in only for rotation's sake. I think Thiago Silva being in quarantine has a lot to do with it. Rudiger mm -hmm. being out as well. Dave having to play at wing back. Obviously, we're stretched a little bit thin at center back. So, um, you know, luckily for us, we have like 12 on our on our uh, team sheet. So, Malang Sar got the call and and he did what he could. I, I think mean, he... I think I, I do want to mention Trevor Chalaba in this match really quick because I know we don't necessarily have a bullet point dedicated to him. Yeah, but before before you say that, I just want to say Malang Sar owes mm. owes Mendy like a nice nice dinner. You should take him out to a nice dinner for keeping up that clean sheet because Buy him he whatever he out. wants. Yeah, yeah. So Chalaba. Um, yeah, Chalaba. Um, we have a serious player on our hands. Um, I yeah, you know, dude looks really comfortable. First couple performances of the season, obviously he came into the Super Cup. We tried not jumping the gun in terms of what we think of him. Then he plays, his, gets his first Premier League start right after, scores a goal, gets another goal uh, last match right before the international break. So two on the season, a couple starts. I can't think of a single situation where he made such a detrimental mistake that made me <laughs> question his quality. That was exactly that was the exact thought going through my head. I was like, has he even made has he even made a single mistake this whole season? I, I can't I, remember. It's all know, solid the, performances. The occasional misplaced pass, this and that. I mean, the usual things that happen. But there's nothing glaring. There's nothing in his game that I see as a potential, as a potential weakness. If I'm an opposing manager and I want to attack him, how do you do that? If you want to expose a defender like that, and as a from Tuchel's perspective or Chelsea's perspective, that's a dream. Um, I think he's taken a little bit of, of the Rudiger approach. He's in this match. He, he was a, a little bit of the enforcer. They were picking on him yeah. uh, about 15, 20 minutes into the second half, trying to get him obviously carded and sent off. He had a couple silly fouls, but listen, that's just the pace of the game. You're, you, Did he you're get essentially... carded? There was one like really hard tackle that he got from behind, like trying to win it. And I think he got he, carded. I don't know if he got carded. I have, no, he, I have it right here. He didn't no, get he carded, didn't. But yeah, yeah, I remember no, no, there did. was like one. He chopped the dual... guy down at half field. Yeah, it was uh, what's his name? It was uh. Ivan Tony. No, it wasn't. Was it Tony? Oh yeah, it was Ivan Tony. Yeah. That was such a great duel to watch between those two because they yeah. were extremely physical. I didn't um, realize how physical Tony was as a as a player in general. He's man, gonna give a lot of 
a lot of teams' problems. That that flick, the header flick that he did against us, like maybe like six, seven times where they mm-hmm. send the ball and he just flicks it back over the line to, um, I forget who else, the, what's his name, Mboyembo? Yeah. To, to, yeah. to, to, to follow it up. Yeah. Uh, that was that was really impressive. He was really good, but I mean, enough of of uh, Brentford's Them. players. Yeah. yeah. My <laughs> uh, my whole point was that I think I, I I think after seeing a couple of these performances now from Chalaba, I think he's really throwing his name in the hat to be the long term successor to Dave. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not. It's not when you're saying successor to Dave, like filling in at the right back captain. spot, or, or just right like, or, or, and yeah, because they are completely different players like he's he's six three he's giant as opposed yeah. to dave who's like five ten five nine yeah. um so their play style is completely different and um i really like what i see like yeah. he could potentially be a replacement not for dave but for rudiger long term yeah we've still i mean we still haven't signed an extension with them yet. And I saw I, all these names that are looking for at him, you know, Barcelona, I think Bayern was interested. Real Madrid. Like, yeah. So it's as much as it sucks. Like I see him more on that left side, maybe. Um, but... I'd be interested to see what our approach is in January or mm-hmm. maybe even this summer in terms of going back after a center back. Yeah. I wonder if that's still something that's on our depth chart or, 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 or not our depth chart, but it's something that's <laughs> on list. our list rather, because uh-huh. we do have a lot of center backs that are on loan that are performing really well. Like I know Colville's playing really well on loan at Huddersfield. Uh-huh. That's somebody that might be able to come and step back in and is he a center back? fill in a role. I'm, I'm pretty sure he is if I'm not mistaken, but uh-huh. I mean, the point is it's, the guy i want to keep seeing him so I'm, i think every time he plays he gets better so until he's out of form i think we just have to keep playing that guy i had the same argument for marcus alonso early on in the season but this is a little different you know marcus alonso is who he is yeah. trevor chalaba is, is surprising everybody every single time he plays like I, every time he plays his potential in my head goes up a little bit oh yeah oh yeah and there's still so much room for growth that's the exciting part Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk about RLC uh, back into his new role as a deep lying center defensive mid. Um, you know, RLC was talking about how he hasn't played that deep since his youth days, but he does find himself very comfortable and happy uh, to continue to get minutes for Chelsea. Uh, he stated that it was his goal to make the team uh, post Fulham loan, and. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's doing more than just making the team. He's improving the team. and um, But the only thing is, uh, I'm, I'd like to see him... Like, I, I, I don't want us to be a team where um, if we play RLC, then we play the 3-5-2. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like it I don't seems want him to be like, a system player. Right. It seems like, like we need to play a system to like a specific system if he plays exactly thank you um and i don't i don't necessarily hate that but the 352 i mean if if lukaku and timo Werner continued this really poor uh form or i mean 
Werner is not in poor dry, form. Dry spell, I guess. You could call it for Lukaku. Timo, yeah. Timo, yeah, Timo hasn't been in poor form, but it, was, it wasn't it was good uh, on, on Saturday. But um, I don't know. I mean, with RLC, I'd like to see him uh, move a little bit more around the pitch than just that role, even though even though he looks really, really good doing it. He looks amazing. In 90 minutes, um, which is really important, he played a full 90, especially mm-hmm. after these long injury spells. Glad you mentioned that. 90, yeah. 90% pass success rate, 98 touches, 12 duels won, 4 out of 5 successful dribbles. I mean, he's he really is bossing up the midfield. Um, do you think that he's our best outfield performer, Zach? I think or in at least game, in this match. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think he was in this game. Um, I think it was interesting how Tuchel made the shift to play RLC in the deeper role and have Kovacic play a little bit ahead of him. Um, I was expecting them to switch at some point and have RLC maybe playing in that more advanced role. I talked about his end product before. You know, he has the final ball. He has a finish in him. You know, previous spells at Chelsea, he scored goals for us. So... I was actually expecting him to to play a little bit at the 10. I'm struggling to think of the logic in playing RLC a little deeper. I mean, I know defensively he's improved a lot. He's putting in the work. He's getting his, he's getting stuck in and winning challenges and whatnot. But Kovacic is really good at that too. I think he's better than RLC. And RLC is better at attacking than Kovacic. So common sense tells you why not switch them when, you know, things kind of go stale, which they did in this match. Um, that switch never happened. I, I'm really interested to see what, what Tuchel was thinking. I, I don't know if we'll ever find out, but um, overall, dude, it's it's been amazing with him. Um, I really wasn't expecting him to thrust his way into the team at all this season, let alone this fast. So um, I'm happy for him. I, I, I think he could get a lot of playing time here. Now, it, that's not only saying, you know, sucks for Saul. I think he can definitely give Jorginho and Kovacic a break at some point during the season as well in terms of slotting in. Um, but like you said, Sam, if it's in that 3-5-2 or only in that 3-5-2 or exclusively in that 3-5-2, I don't necessarily know how I feel about it. He's really good in it. But in the 3-4-3, we've seemed to create so much more. And I think yeah. RLC can either operate as one of those two midfielders. I think he's proved that. Or he can play in a more advanced role, maybe right behind the strikers. Um, mm-hmm. But we only we only created two chances all match, yeah. And that has to do so much with, you know, having the extra player in the midfield, and mm-hmm. you know we're trying to shore up that possession, but, you know, it, it's 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 I don't think it's worth the lack of collective offensive output that you know having an extra guy up front would add. Well, the thing is, in this game, I noticed RLC was basically doing the Kovacic role. He was spinning defenders, running with the ball, and laying it off. Um. And Kovacic's final ball in this game was nowhere to be seen, which, you know, seems to be the case far too often with him. So that's why I was thinking, like, why not Why not switch those guys? Because with RLC playing deeper, you're sort of limiting what he can do in terms of the attack. You know, he takes people on. He, I mean, he can do that in the midfield, but he has to lay the ball off before he gets anywhere near the final third because people are closing him down. Um, but if he's playing in that more advanced role, he'd be able to take one or two players on, get a shot at goal, get a cross in or a cut back to one of our forwards. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This is the first thing that I, that, that I've questioned Tuchel on that. I really just can't see the logic. 
Um, so that's why that's why I keep saying like I want to hear someone ask him about this, and I want to see what he has to say because I really think pushing ROC forward would have would have maybe not created more chances per se, but we I think we would have been a lot more cohesive, a lot more definitive in the final third. You know, he's great when with those one touch passing. When you say little move creative forward, flicks and whatnot, I don't know. When you say moving forward, you mean like just swapping with, with just Kovacic? switching. Yeah, simply really? switching. Really, you want you want Kovacic to be a deep lying defensive mid. I mean, that's or like, why don't we just switch? Been, why don't we switch the formation to a three four three and have him play up top? Who uh, RLC? RLC, no, no, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think he could play it in, in one of those front three positions in the three four three, and then. I think naturally he'll just kind of tuck in right behind whoever's playing striker and, and he'll do his thing. But, yeah, you know, because playing RLC deeper, you know, it's not only limiting his capacity, it's draining his battery too. I mean, this is a guy that you mentioned played 90 minutes. How mm. often do we specifically mention when a guy finishes a match? For RLC, that's a big deal. Yeah. Is it something that he hasn't been able to consistently do growing up through the youth ranks? So maybe playing him in a deeper role where we're asking him to expend a lot more energy might take away from other parts of his game. And I think that's what I was seeing. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Now let's talk about the Werner Lukaku woes. Um, and it sucks because both players scored during the break and it seemed like their selection onto the side was pretty much automatic uh, because of that. Um, but Lukaku went to six straight match for Chelsea without a goal. Um, and, didn't really have a moment where it felt like he was going to score and he was taken off uh for Havertz I believe right and I don't remember which minute it was but um I think it was around like 78 79 there was about 10 76 minutes 76 minute yeah 76 yeah. minute which was pretty shocking in my opinion I mean like obviously in the flow of the match, like Lukaku wasn't doing much. He had a really poor performance, so I can see taking him off. But then again, like he is a world class striker. You gotta believe that he would figure it out, you know. And it, it, I don't know if it was was it something that Brentford was doing. Is it something like why why did Tuchel elect to take him out that early? I think at that point, Tuchel realized that it was virtually impossible to get the ball to his feet to relieve to relieve the pressure, right? I don't necessarily think Lukaku's quote-unquote out of form. I think he's still trying to find his footing with the team. Um, his strike partners, whoever he's been playing with up top, has been constantly chopped and changed throughout the season. But the point is, Sam, like you mentioned, I mean, he's a world-class striker. You'd expect someone like that to figure it out, right? Um I don't really know what it is. It, it's hard to put my finger on it. I would like – I can tell you what I'd like to see from him, and I think that's for him to get more involved in the game, for him to get more touches on the ball. You know, we, it's been mentioned before on the show that, you know, having touches in the teens or low 20s, you know, for a superstar player like him, you know, one of our only world-class players is is not enough. He needs to get on the ball more, um, and he needs to influence the game a bit more. Now, I know he doesn't like playing the hold-up play – um, you know, he even admit that, you know, th- there's more to his game than that. Obviously he could spin in behind or he could run at people. He's great in the air, anywhere in the box. He's dangerous, but it just hasn't seemed like we've involved him enough 
um, in both our build-up play and our play in the final third. It, it, it all just seems like it's a step too slow for him at the moment. Is that on Tuchel though, like for playing him in that role when he when he can do so much more than just being a target man? I don't necessarily think so. Look, I'm gonna throw this out there. Brentford were really good on the day. I, I don't want yeah. anyone to think that we were playing just your typical promoted championship side. They're they're a good team and they're well coached, they're well drilled, and they were actually reminded me of Leeds of last year where they just give you 110 percent energy for the full 90. And I think they drained us. I, I, I yeah. think that's what they did. They suffocated us, and they they played their hearts out. We knew this going into the season, Sam. We're the champions of Europe, so anybody that plays us is going to give us their best match possible. They're going to play out of their skin. Um, but, you know, with that being said, you would still expect, you know, a little bit more production from our forward players. At this point, I'm not concerned. I don't think it's a worry. I think Lukaku gets it together and scores in double figures and you know, pays off his transfer fee. And I don't think there's any question that he does that in a Chelsea shirt, but um, we do need to get some production from him soon. And I think the match at Malmo would be a really good opportunity to give Lukaku a start against a weaker side, you know, just so he can see the ball go in the back of the net and get back up and running. You know, we said this about Tammy Abraham last year too, where if he would just see the ball go in, he can get up and going. Um, and, you know, unfortunately that didn't happen for him. Lukaku's a guy with enough experience um, enough games under his belt and the right mentality to the point where if the ball goes in, he's going to be back. So that's not necessarily a concern for me. What's a bigger concern for me is what system to play with Lukaku, the 3-5-2 or the 3-4-3. I think we need to make a decision and we need to stick with it. You know, Obviously, the injuries of Pulisic and Havertz and Ziyech being out of form doesn't necessarily help the case, but you know, Mason Mount's back now. Um, now you can run a 3-4-3 with Werner and Mount. I think Lukaku does benefit a bit more from a technical player. Werner's not the most technical, right? He's not he's not that great on the ball. You know, yeah, he, he has good vision, but it doesn't come off for him all the time. You, you can't necessarily rely on him every time he gets he gets the ball to his feet to release it to Lukaku like an Eden Hazard type of player can. Or even mm. like a Christian Pulisic can for our team. Or a Kai Havertz when they're fit. Um, so maybe playing another technical player up top like Mason Mount, who let's not forget, I think he's up there for one of the most chances created in the league. That's going to help a guy like Lukaku. Um, somebody who's mm -hmm. neat and tidy on the ball can play in those tight spaces, can combine with him. And, 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 you know, Werner has clever enough movement to play off of that and be effective. So yeah, I think maybe that's the solution. I'm just kind of shooting the shit here because it's obviously a conundrum at the moment, but at the same time, I, I, I keep saying it. I'm not. I'm not too fussed. I'm still not that worried. You know, we, we're coming off of the weirdest point of the season where there's an international break. It seems like every other week, nobody can really get in form for both their clubs and their and their teams outside of like you know international teams outside of like Robert Lewandowski. But it's nothing to be to be concerned about in the long term. I think I think he'll come good, and I think eventually we'll find that you know concoction mm -hmm. or formation that that'll work for him. And I said about RLC that I don't want to, uh, you know, pick pick a system just to accommodate him. With Lukaku, it's the opposite. I do want to pick a system that accommodates him because he would be our most impactful player if we if we accommodated him. And 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 Tuchel is typically very accommodating, so it's been it's been a little bit of a surprise that he hasn't really with Lukaku. Um, given that he was, you know, our big signing this summer, 
given he you know had one of his, his best seasons last year given he's a top five striker in the world uh given our our uh, you know lack of strikers last season and still being able to win champions league he would somehow find a way to accommodate lukaku but it hasn't looked like that and i don't know if it's because you know there's a lot of injuries in his counterparts in uh you know making the right system for his play but um it's it's gonna be I'm, I'm again i'm not worried i think that it's only a matter of time um there there was a question i, I accidentally skipped it's shout out to at black emoji um you know he was talking he was saying lacking goals again cause for concern or a minor slump i think he was talking about lukaku um, yeah um for me it's not a cause for concern i'm not worried i i think that you know brentford like you said they they tired us out they played a really well mat good match and uh it's just a matter of time until our players get healthy we're able to play in the in the in the system in the style that tuchel wants when he has all of his pieces available to him and yeah it's just a matter of time um so we did talk about that for the first 60 minutes, but the final 30 minutes, my God, that was stressful. Yeah. M- Mendy absolutely saved us with six saves. Five inside. Five of those saves were inside the box, including one with his face and an <laughs> acrobatic save to prevent a bicycle kick goal. And the most impressive feat, he didn't allow an Iranian player to score against us. Yep. Which is the which is the most surprising part? When Salman Godos came in, I, I thought it was over. They were gonna they were gonna take it, but he did have a shot that that Mendy saved. Um, but to have this this kind of a performance, where I don't know, what, did they announce a man of the match? Uh, did you see who they, made, oh, they did? But I mean, I just yeah. assumed it was gonna go to him by default. It they probably did. Um. I didn't see it, but it was probably Mendy. It was pretty funny for this to come out, um, or this this performance to to happen so soon after the Ballon d'Or uh, candidates were announced, because he was left off. And you know, I, I think that there is, you know, obviously he's not going to win, but I still thought that given his performance this past year, he he deserved to be at least a candidate. Ballon d'Or. Um, if you look cool. at the shortlist for a Ballon d'Or, there are so many people that you could put Mendy over. Yeah. I mean, every year the shortlist comes out, and like, th- th- there's always way too many names. The Ballon d'Or shortlist should really only be like three or five players. Yeah. Because in reality, it it's I think it's something like that. Yeah. Like yeah, it, it's thirty or fifty. But, uh, because the point is, the Ballon d'Or is always between three guys anyways or two guys and or the last unless you're talking about the last 10 years it's only and been everyone knows guys. that and everyone knows yeah. that it's not it's not a surprise but yeah i don't know why they do it this way but They'll if never they, give it to if they do do it, it yeah i mean if they do do it this way put mendy on okay yeah we did chelsea did have the most players on that list out of any other team which is awesome to hear yeah um we got a question from uh ron uh another one he said what's a bigger shock Mendy not nominated for the Ballon d'Or or somehow Anthony Taylor not really affecting this game. <laughs> not uh, somehow Anthony Taylor not affecting the game. I think the fact that 
we found out Anthony Taylor was going to ref the game before the international break heavily influenced the way he officiated the match because there's no way social media didn't creep into his mind sometimes when he swallowed his whistle. Um, he was he doesn't actually... care, bro. He loves he, – he, these refs, they love the attention they get if they fuck up. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. I mean, just the fact that we're lauding him for not being absolutely terrible and tossing the match is – I mean, we started a petition. We started a petition, Zach. And it, yeah. It didn't really do much, but there was – I don't know how many people signed it. Yeah, uh, to I think not it was over 50,000. Yeah. Something like that. And in my opinion – Anthony Taylor made some really bad calls against Brentford. Yeah, like, that's what I was saying. He swallowed his whistle a, a couple times. Like, I think, I think overall, I think we might have had the benefit of definitely. the officiating in this 100%, one. Hundred percent. Yeah, which is so surprising to say. Yeah, Chalaba tripped up Tony. That that could have been easily called for a mm. penalty, even though it was like you know tangling right. the legs. That happens all the time. There's a um, couple things, Zach. I, I yeah. was shocked. I mean, maybe it was a PR move. You know, he's trying to get in the good graces of Chelsea and Chelsea fans. Uh, it's possible. but I, I saw something I hung... that the Premier League was considering bringing uh, refs from outside of England to officiate please, some of their matches. Please, God. I mean, yeah. England has – the Premier League has some of the worst referees in the whole world. The only good one is – what's his name? Oliver? Michael Oliver? Is that his name? Sometimes, sometimes he's good. He hates United. That's why I like him. Exactly. He's a he's a yeah. great he's a great ref. He's the only one that I like. But I I do want to go back to Mendy song, uh-huh. because this is <sighs> he's exactly what you want from a shot stopper. I I mean the guy throws his face in front of the ball to block it. Um, knowing full well that he's gonna gonna take the contact, there were three or four times in this game where I thought he wasn't gonna get up. Um, so yeah, I just kind of want to shout out his his toughness there. But you know, in terms of the Ballon d'Or omission, it's kind of sad that goalkeepers never really get the recognition they deserve. Do I think Mendy deserves to win it? Probably not. Maybe he was not put on a list because he's not the most glamorous name, or because he had you know the best defense last season in Europe playing in front of him, but. Look, the guy's proved that he's far and away our goalkeeper of the future. I, I don't think we need to be pursuing anybody. And in terms of his his ball playing ability, I know we get a lot of Twitter questions about it, and we get a lot of comments about it. It's, it, you know, he's not perfect, yes, but I wouldn't substitute any ounce of his shot stopping ability for you know the ability to play with the ball at his feet. He's not terrible. That's the thing. No, not um, at all. No, he wasn't. And to be fair to him, our whole back line was shaky in possession in this match. So goalkeepers feed off of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that that's kind of where I stand in terms of his ball playing ability. But, Sam, in terms of shot stopping, I think he's better than Allison. I think he's probably the best in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. His reflexes, his positioning, the fact that when he catches a ball, he never drops it. When he goes up to claim a ball, he knows exactly what he's going to do before he leaves his feet in terms of punching it or catching it. Um, you know, he, he never leaves that near post open. I can't remember a time where he's been beaten near post. Um, he he's just phenomenal. Yeah. And this is uh this is probably this is I think he's I I, I almost want to say he he reminds me a lot of Courtois when he was at Chelsea where he couldn't really play with his feet but his shot stopping was just insane. 
but Mendy what? is just uh, Mendy seems like he's on a like he's creeping into a whole other level. And I think don't since compare, he's don't Chelsea, compare Chelsea's Courtois with him, bro. Well, no, well, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. I think the difference with Mendy is that. Um, you know, the fact that he made the move to a big club later on in his career might have been to his advantage because now we're seeing goalkeepers hit their primes in 32, 33 age. And Mendy's, what, 28 now? And every time he plays, he's only getting better and he's only getting smarter. So I think I still think the best years for Edouard Mendy are still ahead of him. And that's that's great news for us because now we don't have to worry about a goalkeeper for the next five to seven easy. Yeah. I mean, I, I still don't like the comparison, but I think I, the, he wasn't as. I think that Mendy. Courtois couldn't play with the shot speed, but he was a great shot stopper. And he, he was, was he's a better player. shot stopper, I think, in my opinion, Mendy. I don't know. Here's here's a question, Zach, because I saw this on Instagram. Allison or Mendy? Right Overall, now, Mendy. Right now, you right take now, Mendy. Yeah. Because we could have had Allison. Remember, we could have had Allison, and if we did yeah. get Allison, who knows what else would have happened? We would, yeah, but technically, Mendy, Mendy cost us a hundred million, the seventy for Kepa, and realizing that he was crap, and then the thirty <laughs> to buy Mendy to to resolve the issue. But if you're well, then Allison, Allison would have cost a hundred and seventy million. <laughs> well, price tags compared to abilities, I think Mendy is the better bargain. That's not to say Allison isn't no, world class. No, no, straight. Allison don't don't consider people. don't don't consider price tag. I'm talking. Just straight, straight comparison. Right now, Mendy. Who's, yeah, I think so yeah. too. But it is close. Mendy needs to score a last second header goal in order to officially surpass him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, just to wrap up this match, um, it was very, very nervy at the end. Um, mm -hmm. And if it weren't for Mendy, you'd walk away with maybe one, maybe zero points. Um, so shout out to him. Uh, but it's nice to see Reese James come back. It was nice to see Mason Mountain come back. Mm -hmm. Pulisic is next in line to return from injury. Um, so let's hope that when everyone's back, I mean we have we have Mal Malmo this week, and then we have a pretty easy next couple of matches. So it'll be nice for uh, us to kind of get back into the groove of things and. And it's crazy, like, we're still on top of the table. So, yeah, um, I'm not worried. Um, all right, let's get into Twitter questions. This first one is from Nana, at Nanayeb3. First time question. So, what's up, Nana? Nice to, nice to have you on the show. Thanks for the question. He says, Dear Pod, why do you she. think... Oh, she? Yeah, she. She, Nana. Apologize. Uh... Sorry if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure... <laughs> pretty sure well let's yeah. just let's just say nana dear yeah. pod why do you think we literally struggled to get out of our own first half oh, sorry why do you think we literally struggled to get out of our own half after the 70th minute that was strange and worrying it was strange and worrying um brentford were all over us i i think it was our inability to work the ball out of the back after winning possession um Hey, Nana's definitely it. a guy, by the way. I just looked at his picture. Oh, okay. Sorry, Nana. <laughs> My bad. Did you just um, did you just say that because of the? I hope you said that because well, of the no. name. Well, no. Remember, we of... went to we went to high school with a girl named Nana. That's why I just okay. So kind just because of, of the name. Okay, good. Because you, yeah, you, yeah, you didn't see I his picture. Okay. No, I didn't. <laughs> just see to picture. clarify, you didn't see his picture and think that. Yeah. All right, cool. Got um, it. Yeah. Anyways, um, 
I, I think it was of our inability to just take the ball, uh, put the ball on the ground and play it through the midfield to relieve pressure. Um, oftentimes we were just hooping it up the field in panic. And uh, that's why Malongsar's stats are so padded with those 10 clearances. Every time he touched the ball in that second half, it was winding up at the halfway line. Um, now, granted, you know, I mentioned earlier that Lukaku and Werner specifically didn't do a very good job of being outlets and, and, and holding up play. But, you know, again, the back line just kind of struggled working the ball out of the back through that midfield. In particular, that left-hand side was was very stagnant. And that was a side that they were constantly getting at us, um, you know, towards the end of that half. So it was obvious that they were targeting Malang Sar. I think that's something they talked about at the half. You know, he did make a few a, a couple mistakes. And I think, honestly, Sam, against anybody else, Brentford probably wins or they might get that goal and get and walk away with a point mm-hmm. um you know they created so many clear-cut opportunities they had the best chances of the match better than ours um and you know we luckily we had Mendy to save us so you know it could be a few different factors I think the fact that we didn't have one of Tiago Silva or Jorginho in the middle of the field just kind of pointing out and and, and calling out and communicating I think that had a lot to do with it. We did lack a little bit of leadership in the center of the park. Christensen was really good on the day. But like I said, whenever that ball got shifted out to the left-hand side, um, the only option was to just send it up the field and, and, and you know push our defensive lines further and, and reset. So I think that's a big reason why. And I also think Tommy Tuchel kind of saw that and said, you know what, I don't think this – it's not even going to be worth fixing this. We just got to hold on and get the three points. We need fresh legs out there. And I think that's why Havertz got the run out as opposed to Lukaku. I don't mm. think that there was an option per se to get Lukaku back into the match at that point You know, with his hold-up play and whatnot. So it's worrying. Uh, but again, not a big concern because we're still not conceding goals and we're still yeah. not losing games. And, you know, if you go on Chelsea Twitter without looking at the table, you would think that we're not having a good season at all. But we've mentioned that we're top of the table maybe three or four times now. Um, so I when things... like five, I said it like five times in the first 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Like, this season, we've, we're still really waiting to see the real Chelsea, right? Especially the Chelsea that we saw when Tuchel initially came in. So if we can even see a fraction of that now, with the foundation that we've that we've had that we have, um, mm-hmm. it's it, it's scary hours for everybody. All right, next question. This one is from Ro- uh, Ronnie Ashworth at Huey nine eight seven five eight. He asks, "Not playing great, but top of the prem. What are we going to be like when we start playing well? Chile was great, and get James back on the other side. Who you're speaking my language." Uh, exactly what I just said, yeah. You're Once we start playing language. semi-decent. I mean, the, the, I'm so excited to see those two back out there again. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben Chilwell and Reese James, like you said. We, we we got just a little tease of it, like the last you know five minutes of the match when Reese James came in. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if uh, we should expect to see both of them play against Malmo, maybe. Um Maybe Reese James just to get his feet back under him. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but what do you think? It's happy days. We're we're top of the league and we're not playing well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I know. Yeah, it's it's great yeah. when that when that's the case. Uh, it's better than being, you know, three or four points outside the top four not playing well. So let's just put it that way. I think when 
when Reese James and Chilwell come on, I said earlier that I think things will be a little more cohesive, and they will. Um, you know, you get Dave back in that back three. Um, you know, whenever we're whenever we're playing a heavily rotated squad, maybe we don't panic the last seventy minutes. Mm. Um, you know, or you have Reese James playing on the right hand side, occupying occupying spaces that Dave wouldn't pick up. Maybe we, you know, get another goal or get another really great service to Lukaku, and he breaks a slump. You know, they've already shown that they have a good connection together, so. Um, that that could possibly be a solution. I know if Andres is listening, he's gonna agree because that was his idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's still happy days. I'm not down on the team. I'm not down on the side at all, regardless of the performance. Point is, we got three points against a really really good side, and yeah. it was an away match, and it's another London derby where we go undefeated, and you know there's no injuries and no sending off, so relatively unscathed. I think Mendy might okay. be a little sore, but other than that. <laughs> Just put a bag of ice on his face, he'll be good. Um, his whole body. He's yeah. a whole well, ice bath. Yeah, that, I think that just means uh, we'll see a little bit of Kepa um, midweek, which I'm okay with. Against, against which Malmo. Which we don't mind anymore. Yeah, yeah I'm cool <laughs> with. Um, so let, let's jump into that. Uh, Chelsea versus Malmo, Malmo preview uh, at the bridge on Wednesday. Um, so Malmo. Everyone knows all about Malmo, so I mean, what what else is left to say about them? The only thing I know about Malmo is what I learned from the Zlatan documentary on Netflix. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, uh, divulge what is uh, what, what do you know? He said he just about? played. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, yeah, he just signed with them when he was really young and played there a few years. Interesting. No, um, yeah, that's not much to say about them really. <laughs> they are top of the league in Sweden, uh, joint first with three other teams. Not sure how competitive the Swedish league is, but I'm guessing it's not too too scary. Um, it's, it's no Premier League. Let's 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 say that much. So far, they have lost three nil to Juve, and f- they lost four nil to Zenit Saint Petersburg. Mm-hmm. So, I think it kind of makes our prediction pretty easy. I will predict a three nil win. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can one up. Uh, Zenit and make it 5-0? Who knows? I mean... That'd be nice. It's a team that hasn't scored yet in the Champions League, so... So I either they're playing... due or they're not good. <laughs> yeah, so... I think playing Marcus Alonso might be a good idea. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he, he might be able to, to get a couple chances in this game to, to score... I think Lukaku, you have to play him, especially since he hasn't scored for us in a while. Really? You have yeah. to play Lukaku? Okay. I think you play Lukaku. Just get confidence you, up? Yeah. You play Lukaku with Mason Mount, and you get, you know, whether it's a 3-5-2, 3-4-3, I just want to see some sort of that combination work out. I'd like to see Kai Havertz again, but the fact that he didn't, um, the fact that he didn't necessarily start against uh, Brentford, um, probably shows that he might not necessarily be ready for Tuchel's full faith yet so I don't know man look if we see Marcus Alonso great I think we need the rotation if Reese James is healthy enough I think his fitness would be nice I know Rudiger returned to training uh today as well we're recording this on a Monday night um so yeah I'm gonna go 5-0 I think Lukaku gets a goal I think it's a goal fest I think this is the match that everybody just kind of takes a collective sigh and relaxes a little bit and takes a step back and, and realizes how good we are and how well we've done while playing like shit. Um, 
So yeah, I I think the most important thing, no Sam, is that Lukaku goal. If I can go into this match wishing for one thing to happen, that's what it would be. I need him to score. I just looked up uh like who returned to training. Rudiger, Silva, and Ziyech are back in training today, but no Christian Pulisic, which really hurts. I thought that he would be I thought he was supposed to come back like he was questionable to come back before the break. And then he had an extra two weeks and he's still not even close to coming back. That's You know what's frustrating is the match that he got hurt and our American fans would know this. He got hurt during international duty. Um, typical CONCACAF. Um, yeah. But he tr- actually hurt himself, went down, got treatment, and tried to play on it another like three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was just not happening. So I, I, it only begs me to think what would have happened if he just came off instead of going back out yeah. there and trying I mean, to push it. I mean, those extra three minutes aren't, isn't, gonna, isn't the reason why he's out you know, for three, four weeks or whatever it's been. Um, yeah, it's an ankle injury. Like, how long is an unfortunate. ankle take? How long does an ankle take to recover? No. Oh, my take. high ankle sprain. I was in a, I was in like a walking boot for almost two months. Remember, in high school, yeah. it took yeah, me a long time. Sick is built different, bro. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. actually, a, he's actually probably more brittle than you are. It's a little bit more <laughs> brittle. But I mean, that uh, does. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that does kind of bring us to the end of the show here. Um. If you guys are still listening, make sure you're following us at on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Um, we should be recording an episode after the uh, Malmo match just to kind of review that and look ahead to um, our Premier League match at the weekend. We do have a, a pretty easy run of fixtures, at least that's what it looks like coming up. So um, onwards and upwards for the Chels, top of the league, heading into Champions League. Um, let's uh, let's avenge ourselves from that Juve defeat. Until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.